Circa. Love the world you live in, and we'll help you explore it. So um, earlier this year, I got my best paying commission ever, and it was $2 per word for 1,600 words. I've written for free before. I've written 2,500 words for $75 before. So this was really big. (laughs) To make it even better and even sweeter, the assignment was about driving Ferraris and Lamborghinis and all these other supercars in the south of France. I was like, are you kidding? (laughs) Yeah. Make all the jokes you want about balding men having midlife crisis. It turns out going a buck fifty down a provincial road with the radio blaring and a scarf in your hair is seriously fun. <laughs> and I mean, the attention you get in these cars is absolutely insane. You know, you whip through a town and every single head turns around, and the scenery was absolutely staggering. I mean, it was the type of job that I would do for free if I hadn't been in the game for as long as I have been. (laughs) The the truth of the matter is, getting a gig like that was only because I've been in the game for as long as I have been. That's our friend Nicola showing that if you stick at it for long enough, the world of travel writing can take you to some pretty incredible places. And, well, that's what this Circa Journey series is all about. Today, episode five, Nicole is going to give us access to a side of the business that some people, writers especially, can be a little reserved in talking about. That's right. Today, we're talking about money. How to get it, how to maximize it, and what to do with it. Nicole shares with us the three financial factors that help her keep her career on track She gives us an idea of when to really go for travel writing as a full-time career. She talks about writing for free or not. And the eternal battle of influencers versus journalists. As always, I'm going to let her do the talking, so here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, your guide on this travel writing odyssey, Nicole Trillivas. I haven't really had that experience of looking into my bank account and feeling sheer terror, but it's only because I'm going to be super honest and tell you why. I'm very risk averse when it comes to money. You know, there's the type of people who the minute they have a dollar, they have to spend it. I'm one of those people who if I have a dollar, I have to save it. Like it's just one of those inherent qualities in myself. I don't fight against it. I just go with it. So in the interest of being super truthful, I'm going to say that there are three financial factors that contribute to me being a full-time writer. One is I didn't start full-time writing until I had a safety net. For me, nothing kills creativity like anxiety. So I don't think I would have been able to take the risk and start writing full-time without knowing that, you know, worrying about my next paycheck and having to always worry about that. When I lived in New York, um, I worked in advertising for a big chunk of time. As I mentioned before, I worked for um, a travel company. So I built up a reserve of funds in order to go off um, and know that I wasn't going to have a steady paycheck. The second thing is, and this is the case for most um, full-time travel writers, I do supplementary copywriting and sponsoring content um, a lot, 
And I do it kind of like whenever those jobs come along because they tend to pay better than traditional kind of travel writing. And the third factor is I have a partner with a conventional full-time job, which means a steady paycheck. So I have that in the background knowing that if it, if anything comes to it, you know, I do have a backup. So because I want to be super honest, I want to make that clear because a lot of people don't really talk about that part of travel writing, but it's a major part of it. I mean, also too, like I'm old enough now to know that I don't have to suffer for my art. Like suffering does not breed good art. <laughs> In fact, taking care of yourself <laughs> breeds better art. <laughs> I'm like, I'm still a rock star as I take my multivitamin and go to sleep at 10 p.m. <laughs> I remember when I graduated high school, like 20 years ago now, I remember being like, okay, I want to go off and I want to be a travel writer. And I just kind of published some stuff online, like basically anyone who would take my stuff. And it wasn't very good. It was all sort of like rudimentary. You know, they say it takes, I think, like 10,000 hours before you become an expert in something. So it took me being a grown up and communicating on a corporate level and on a professional level for probably 10,000 hours. And, and it took me that long to, to, to find my voice as a writer and, and then set out and do it on a professional level. A part of me is like, I wish I, you know, really pursued it full time earlier. And then I, I look back and I say, you know what, I pursued it at just the right time because I got my skill level to where it needs to be. And a lot of times there's just people, there's some people in this industry, not a lot of times, but there's some people in the industry who just know how to hustle. They're really good at networking. They're really good at, you know, finding the right people and getting their foot in the door, but they're not a really great writer. And I'm glad I was able to kind of get my craft up to a level that, you know, I'm happy with some of the time. <laughs> we'll be back after the break with more tips from Nicole. When, when people find out you're a writer, you get routinely asked to write stuff for free. And they tell you, you know, it'll take you five minutes. And that might be true. It might only take you five minutes. But those five minutes are a culmination of five years of experience. Mark Twain once said, um, I didn't have time to write a short letter, so I wrote a long letter instead. So being concise and being able to write efficiently, you know, is such a skill that people don't know until they really start trying to do it for themselves. <laughs> and it's such a luxury to say no, to be able to turn down the projects that you don't feel super excited about working on. And that's something that comes after all of those years of work and toil. It's, that's like an achievement. You've unlocked the next level. <laughs> I don't even know what not on the clock looks like anymore. <laughs> but part of that is because I genuinely find what I do really fun and really interesting, which leads me to say that I'm in I'm exactly where I need to be in life. <laughs> because um, my types of holidays, my types of vacations aren't about just sitting on the beach and drinking pina coladas. I mean, the pina colada part, cool. But I mean, I just, I'll get bored sitting on the beach. Like I like to go out and I like to explore even like when I'm, you know, a pedestrian and a civilian, you know, <laughs> not, not on the clock. Even when I have a 
quote-unquote vacation, um, I still kind of turn it into some kind of work trip. I mean, I can't even read travel writing now and and, and quote-unquote enjoy it. Like, I still read it as a travel writer. I can't even switch that off. Even before we started recording today, I was just scrolling through Instagram. And um, I mean, even like, I was like, oh, that's a cool beach. I should bookmark that in case I ever go to Timbuktu. And I was just like, calm down. I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to just clear my brain before we start talking. But it, it does show me that I'm doing what I should be doing because I am super interested in it. Some practical um, ways of, of of making money while you're on a trip, even when you're not like officially on a trip, is um, just trying to butcher the trip up and make the most out of it, and see seeing what you can sell on the back end of it. So you can do a destination piece, a hotel review, a spa review. Can you talk about the restaurant? Can you do any interviews? Can it be part of a larger roundup in trends? So I'm always kind of thinking like that to see how I can make the most out of one trip. And then another part of the practicalities of it is finding out which magazines are opening for, open for commissions right now, because a lot of magazines only use an in-house staff or only use, you know, like um, a few contributing editors. The other thing is finding out who pays. A lot of travel publications and a lot of newspapers actually don't pay their travel writers because there's people who do it for free and it sets a bad precedent. And so that that's just their rules. Um, and then the other thing you have to think about, too, is rules about press trips. So some publications allow you to go on press trips. They have no issues with it. Some publications say you can do a press trip. It just can't be a group press trip. It has to be an individual one because they don't want to compete with lots of the same stories coming out at once. Some publications say absolutely no press trips, but then they'll pay you for expenses. Some publications say absolutely no press trips, and then they won't pay you for expenses. <laughs> so a, a lot of that is just about um, finding out those kind of details. Um, and, and that's just a way to sort of figure out who, how you can actually make money at this. There's just been a lot of shakeups in the industry. So there's been a lot of editors who have changed magazines or editors who have gone freelance, that kind of thing. A lot of magazines folded. So almost every single airline magazine was shuttered during the pandemic. Yeah. So now those are slowly coming back. I mean, on the back end, it's really interesting to see because a lot of the airline magazines are coming back. A lot of the magazines that went from quarterly are going back to monthly or starting to be monthly. There's a really big appetite right now to travel. And unlike other crises that happened throughout the world, this is a crisis where a lot of people still retained their wealth during the COVID pandemic. So especially in the luxury travel industry, a lot of people who who consider luxury travel, you know, part of their everyday life, like um, regular travelers, uh, they have more money than ever to spend. So you're seeing trends like completely blow out once in a lifetime trips because they have more money than ever. And on the back end of that, you know, from, from the travel industry perspective, there's more budget for trips and experiences, and they really want them written about, and they really want to get journalists, and they really want to get exposure for these destinations that essentially have been lying dormant or kind of at worst, or at best, they were doing improvements to them. So now they want to get everybody in and say, look at the infrastructure that we've set up. Look at this renovation that we've done. We've made this even better. So um, I'm seeing this really, really exciting, um, optimistic bounce back.
if, if you're on TikTok or you're on Instagram, you're under this obligation to show the most beautiful side because it, it's art in a very traditional way. Like it's art that's supposed to be beautiful. Whereas when you're travel writing, you get to be so much more nuanced and you can tell the truth in the way that they're not allowed, quote unquote, to tell the truth. Look at all these pictures of Santorini and, you know, these flawless beaches. And then you go there in real life and you're like, those influencers lied to me. <laughs> Travel writers are so grumpy. We'll tell you the truth. <laughs> and I guess like the budgets are all coming from the same pot, right? So, I mean, I should maybe be a little bit worried that that budget's going towards influencers rather than journalists. But at the end of the day, we're completely two different mediums. You know what I mean? It's like photography or video versus writing. I don't see it as a direct competition because I think we're doing two different things. And there's always going to be brands who want really good writing. I mean, still to this day, most brands, especially the old school hotels, they want print pieces over online pieces. And PRs are constantly frustrated because they have to say, okay, print might have a circulation of like 100,000, but if it lives online, it will be there indefinitely and <laughs> the circulation will be much higher. But it doesn't matter because people just want, certain brands just want to be in print in certain magazines. So I think there's always going to be, there's, I think there's enough room for everybody. I think the mediums are different enough where they're hitting different marks. And also a lot of times travel influencers are, um, aspirational, whereas a lot of times luxury travel journalists are inspirational. Thanks for listening to part five of our travel writer's journey with Nicole Trillivis. All other episodes are available right now in the Circa app, ad-free, or anywhere you get your podcasts. This series was produced and edited by me, Neil Innes, and executive produced by Stacey Book, Dominic Ferrari, and Abby Glujanski. Huge thanks to Nicole for her time and wisdom. Be sure to check her out on Instagram and Twitter at Nicole Trillivis or at NicoleTrillivis.com. Continue or listen to this journey again right now in the Circa app. Circa. Love the world you live in and we'll help you explore it.